the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. One of the reasons Alex and myself spend so much time uh, here on Exploring the Word saying get into the Word, look at the Word, develop a, a biblical worldview is because of the days in which we live. Um, there are always difficult days. Don't uh, There's some difficult days uh, that, that are more difficult than others, but Jesus just made it plain that there's going to be difficulty in this life that's part of life. But as we see the days approaching to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says it becomes more difficult. And a part of that difficulty is what do you believe concerning the Word of God? And the Word of God is settled in heaven. It's a sure word. It changes not. And so that's why on Exploring the Word, we say we go to the Bible. We go to the Bible. So, Alex, when we say that, we're just not uh, playing a tune. We really do believe that if we're going to find answers, we're really going to find them in the Word of God, aren't we? Well, we, we really are. And, Bert, it's great to be with you on today's edition of Exploring the Word. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 and uh, uh, maybe some others. But Bert, um, I want to talk about what may Christians do in times of apostasy. And oftentimes, if if you have heard the word apostasy, you might think of a falling away or a rejection of truth. Somebody sent me a quote this week uh, by Lloyd John Ogilvie. Do you remember that yes, name? Yes, I, I got some of his books. I sure do. Oh, yeah. And, and um, you know, Billy Graham would reference Lloyd John Ogilvie. Ogilvie, but he said, and somebody sent me this this week, all of the church's problems, local or national, originated in their abandonment of the Word of God. Now, when we talk about a church having problems or a culture adrift, um, a nation that really sort of hangs in the balance, and I would say, as much as I love America, and uh, I do, I, I, Bert, I consider myself to be very, very, very patriotic, but our country's in trouble. And I would agree with uh, Ogilvy and others, our, our mutual friend Chuck Colson, who's in heaven now. But these these wise men of God would say that um, whenever we get in the ditch or get in trouble, it's because in some way or another we have deviated from, wandered from, and rejected the truth of God's Word. So the pathway back is the authority of Scripture, isn't it? It is, and you see that all the way through the Old Testament in the New Testament. Uh, you see it in the book of Revelation when those seven churches, uh, by most part, five out of the seven at least really severe, would leave the Word of God. And uh, when you leave the Word of God from the pulpit and the pew, uh, you are really treading on dangerous ground. And so false teaching runs wild. And it's always been around. It wasn't long after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then Pentecost that Gnosticism would show up. Even in the book of Colossians, uh, you see the evidence of false teaching coming and what they were teaching about Christ and that he wasn't fully God. 
And so all these false teaching always leads to beliefs that are wrong, which leads to, guess what? Behavior, which is wrong. Beliefs and behavior are tied in at the hip, Alex. Oh, absolutely. See, every action is preceded by a thought. And and what you believe definitely informs how you behave, doesn't it? It really does. And so what we're wanting to do, if we can have this biblical worldview and we can understand that salvation is through Christ, that the Word of God is the authoritative, accurate Word of God, God-breathed, God-given, inspired by God, and we're to live our lives accordingly under the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we can survive difficult days. Now, when I say survive, that doesn't mean that you won't suffer. It does not mean that even some will die, but it means that we will see the end. When Jesus told the apostles, get into the boat and we're going to the other side. Guess what happened halfway through that trip? The storm came, <laughs> and mm, they were wondering. True. They were thinking they were not going to survive, but guess what? The rest of the story is when they came to the other side. So when we come to Christ and and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, even though we go through beliefs that are wrong, taught by the world, taught even in false teaching of churches. Uh, when we've trusted Christ, following him, we do make it to the other side, Alec. Amen. Amen. Well, um, let me read a couple of scriptures, and you decide, are we in times of apostasy? Now, in Exodus 1, verse 8, you know, remember, uh, God used Joseph to help, um, you know, preserve Egypt during a time of famine, and Joseph was richly rewarded and acknowledged. And when God worked through the life of Joseph, everybody took note. And it says, though, there arose a generation that knew not Joseph, nor Joseph's God. Bert, I was just reading this week, um, here in my home state of North Carolina, there's a very famous university, Wake Forest University. Now, Wake Forest, you know, if you're a sports fan, you've heard of the Demon Deacons, but Wake Forest uh, at one time was a Baptist school. Now, at the center of the campus was Wake Forest Baptist Church, and it, I mean, literally on the center of the campus. I've been there before, and and it was really symbolic that the church would be at the very heart of this, you know, denominational college. Well, Bert, this week, as you and I are recording this, uh, Wake Forest Baptist Church has closed. And it says declining membership, and the church doesn't have the support of the school. Isn't it funny? The church birthed the school, but then the school sufficiently grew to where it didn't want the mother anymore, and the church closed. Well, Bert, I think we're living in a time—I'm not going to say America— uh, we're we're completely unaware of the God of our founders, but let me say I think we really need to re-remind our nation that this country was built on biblical principles. It's like Patrick Henry. Uh, Patrick Henry, I've actually been to his house in a place called Red House, Virginia. But Patrick Henry, you know, remember, give me liberty or give me death. He said it cannot be emphasized too often or strongly enough that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, and not on religion, said Patrick Henry, but on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when there arises multiple generations that really don't know God, that's a time that we need to call our culture back to truth and back to Christ, lest we fall irreversibly into a state of apostasy. 
And when you think of that, I, I cannot help but think of the nation of Israel. Uh, it was divided. Again, it was originally to be one nation, but because of sin, division, and then because great sin, the northern kingdom of Israel would go under. Uh, Assyria would take them, and man, we call them the ten lost tribes, you know, and we don't know where they are. And then Judah uh, later on would be taken into captive. And what was what was the main issue? Forgetting God and taking up the other gods, uh, worshiping other gods. And so, Alex, uh, the foundations, if they be destroyed, what will the righteous do? And the foundation of America was the Bible, Christianity. Was it perfect? In no way. And I can tell you why. Because men were were in charge. God was guiding them. But I don't care who it is. Your friend, as you've already mentioned, Chuck Colson, he said yeah. there's no person, uh, no no church, no no nation that's right. And he said, and I know the reason. It's our it's our manhood. We're men. And uh, we, we're imperfect, Alex, but it does not make uh, the nation that America started out being great and, again, founded by Christians based on the Word of God. Did it have flaws? It sure did. It did. But what a way to have it to correct it. I, I love that. John Adams is one of my heroes. And mm. uh, he fought for, you know, freedom for the slaves and everything. But it was worked into that great Constitution, a way to amend it and to mm. set things right. Their, their foreknowledge was amazing, wasn't it? Well, absolutely, yeah. That I mean, that's one of the reasons I've always believed that our country, the founding of our country was superintended over by God, because for just mere undirected humans to come up with such a great constitution and a great system of government with the checks and balances of the three branches of government, I mean, I don't think man could have done it because man never did, but our founders who wrote the Constitution in the midst of a two-week-long prayer meeting. Uh, it was by God. But, Bert, I, I do think spiritually, morally, but even culturally, we are in apostate times because, um, you know, the word apostasy really does mean, um, it, well, it means riot. I mean, that's the funny thing. And it talks about... Um, you know, in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, but the end of time, the day of the Lord's return, will not come except first there be a falling away, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, Bert, uh, I don't want to get us off topic here, but people ask the question, are we near the time of Christ's return? I will tell you, this is a unique moment in history for several reasons, technologically, and I mean, there are a lot of things about the wiring of the planet and the internet and um, just the global communications and now cryptocurrency, and there could be a, a one-world commerce. But I will tell you what is unique about the moment in which we find ourselves. There is a global worldwide abolition of morals, really almost an enforced amoral culture worldwide. And this is because of the LGBTQ trans movements and abortion on demand, a lot, lot of reasons. But Bert, there, there have always been sin and sinners. 
to my awareness, there's never been a time in history where there has been this global, international, sanctioned by so many governments and businesses, this enforced abolition of morals. And I wonder if we're living in that Second Thessalonians 2, 3 time, setting the stage for the Antichrist to be revealed when there has been this falling away. I mean, look, we, we don't even know what male and female genders are anymore. Uh, we don't even know, you know, what uh, truth is anymore. And so could it be this global, uh, cultural, moral, philosophical time of chaos is the falling away that the New Testament warns about? It not only could be with a lot of us, we believe it is. Now, let's make it sure that the reason we know this is because of the world we live in with its technology, with all the information. We're living in the information age uh, when things change so quickly. And if it's happening in Ukraine, man, we know about it when it happens. Uh, and real, they, you know, real time. I remember when they started using that term, real time. Well, in real time, we're seeing all this that you referred to taking place in nation after nation. Very few nations are standing against that. And when they do stand against it, Alex, they are demonized. They are put to the side. Uh, they, are, they try to hurt them to keep them from staying that way. So we're living in that time when we need to be right with God. Well, we're going to be back with more about living in the age of apostasy. We're going to give you some ways to do that. So don't go away as Exploring the Word on AFR continues. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. Uh, this is a pre-recorded show. Can't take calls today, but we do hope you'll listen. We're talking about what may Christians do in times of apostasy. I do want to remind everybody that this show and other shows are archived on AFR.net, as in American Family Radio, and just all of the great programming, uh, Sandy Rios, Today's Issues, The Hamilton Corner, Airing the Addisons, and so much more. Check out AFR.net. And by the way, we love to hear from you. If you ever want to reach out to Bert or myself, you can email us, word, W-O-R-D, word, at AFR. That's right. AFR.net. Alex had a glitch. I'm sure he'll be right back, but word at AFR.net, and we get that, and sometimes it's questions, sometimes it's comment, and we love to hear from you. And today, again, we're talking about apostasy and living the godly life, even uh, when the world has gone mad morally, when it's gone mad educationally, and we're trusting God that he would do that great work that only he can do. You know, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible, speaking about a falling away in a time of apostasy, Bert, Hebrews 4, verse 2, and there, it contains the phrase, the word preached did not profit them, literally was of no value. Bert, you know, I think about our country that I love so well, but we've been a nation of hundreds of thousands of churches, and not only 
ministers and Christian leaders, but my goodness, some of the the greatest leaders in the history of the church. I think about you know Billy Graham and D. L. Moody and Jonathan Edwards and uh, uh, people like uh, you know Bill Bright of Campus Crusade and Henrietta Mears, one of the biggest selling Christian books in history. What the Bible is all about in more than eighty some languages by Henrietta Mears. But in a way, Bert, I kind of feel like we're almost like the Hebrews 4 verse 2 that says, uh, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message preached did not profit them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Bert, how sad it would be for Christian America to lose the gospel and for this nation literally forged and founded on biblical principles that we would become apostate and reject the very truths on which our country was built for more than two centuries. I I just think that's a tragedy. It is a tragedy, but listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Apostasy has been in every generation, but what's different, it is taken around, as we said, and you said earlier, seemed like in every nation. Now, the the other time that I think about this, Alex, is in the Old Testament, the 8th century B.C. You was talking about, because you listed all the great teachers and preachers there earlier. Think about it. In the 8th century, you had Isaiah, you had Hosea, you had the prophet Michael and Amos, and you had these, the you know, the quartet, a uh, prophetic word crying out the word of God, and yet men went their own way. And so we have these preachers preaching. We AFR radio and 24-7 teaching and sharing. Many of these are preaching messages, and some of them are talk, but they're different ones. And so the truth is going forth, but guess what? Men must receive the truth. It is not forced down them. And so we're living in that dangerous, precarious time and, and yes, we can recognize that as believers, Alex. You're recognizing it. I'm agreeing with you. And so the gospel's being preached. The word of God is being proclaimed. But it's not profiting because you must receive it. Uh, God just doesn't force it down us. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man will answer that door, he will come in. But guess what? you got to answer the door, brother. <laughs> well said. You really do. Because here's the thing. Um, salvation and your relationship with Christ, I mean, in a way, it's twofold. There's being born again. Uh, you put your trust in Christ. You repent. You believe. The Bible calls that being born again or saved or converted, several words there. Uh, but there's also Christian growth. And as a born-again believer, you mature in the Lord. And here's the thing, Bert. It's not passive. It has to be active. Now, I've had people say to me, well, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I guess, you know, if there is a heaven, everybody's going, right? No. I mean, Jesus' death on the cross makes salvation possible. But you putting your trust in Jesus, uh, belief and obedience, that makes salvation actual. um, Salvation is not just passive on everybody simply because Christ died, although Christ did die and rise again. But we've got to turn to Christ and let him be the Lord of our life, don't we, Bert? We do. And if we don't, there is a price to pay. 
And so in apostasy, you're going to have those that are going to say, where's the, where's the proof of his coming? Where's the truth of his coming? It's been this way. Now, I go back, and I, it's because of my knowledge of Bible. No matter what's happening, I usually go back to a time in the Bible when something similar was happening. But what is happening today, again, and it has a lot to do with the technology. It has to do with the information we're getting. We're seeing it taking place everywhere. Now, I grew up at a time when they said if it started in California on the West Coast, like the hippie movement and all the thing, you can tell the generation I'm from, that it would make its way all the way east and even to the south years and years later. We've gone beyond that now, Alex. What's happening then, as I said earlier, uh, is real time. It makes its way here immediately because of all the technology. And so because of that, it has made the apostasy and the rejection of Christ, rejection of the moral uh, foundation that God has set up, the, even the foundation of our country. Listen, it makes it more prevalent and makes us aware of it. So, yes, we're living in those times when it seems like if you're standing for righteousness, you're going to be stood against in mm-hmm. a way that— the government, uh, we're talking about media, uh, we're talking about in so many ways, when you're standing for righteousness, there's a price to pay. Bert, you know, just moments before you and I began to do our show today, I got a call from a pastor friend out west, and uh, they got uh, on their local school board some Christians, uh, ran for office and got on the school board. Well, um, some of the pro-gay, lesbian anti-Christian forces got mobilized. And of all things, this pastor told me, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say where, although I assure you this is absolutely accurate what I'm telling you, but I don't want to give it any unnecessary PR. But the local leader of a Satanist group demanded to give the invocation at the school board meeting. A Christian had prayed at a school board meeting and the uh, anti-God, anti-America forces couldn't tolerate that. So he said that, you know, we all kind of prayed and had to do a cleansing over ourselves after this Satanist gave the invocation in the name of Satan at a school board meeting. Now, I'm not saying that, Bert, for shock value, but this is reality. We are in a, a time of spiritual warfare. We really are. And the internet, I think, has exacerbated this, and I know there's a lot of good on the internet, and our programs and our preaching is streamed on the internet. But here's the thing, Bert. You, you mentioned it used to be just in certain parts of the country, maybe um, on the West Coast or something. But with the internet, um, there is just all manner of unspeakable immorality one click away. And so we're in a time, folks, um, if there's not the positive, proactive proclamation of the gospel and truth and biblical worldview into the vacuum created by the absence of biblical teaching, they'll, they'll follow anything and everything. That's why, you know, we, we often mention Chuck Colson. Um, well, Colson over and over, and I booked him to speak many times. He was in our conferences. He was a dear, brilliant leader, but he said the church is the conscience of the culture. Now, Bert, what I'd like to do is I want to talk about 
what the church must do in these times of apostasy. I think apostasy is all around us to varying degrees. And I'm going to queue up this list, and I want you to comment, Bert. Well, Alex, Re- let me read one verse before you do that, because yes. you read from Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, about verse 3, about that happening. Listen to verse 15, because it'll set up exactly what you said. After it goes through the lying words, the deception, the delusion, you can read that for yourself. Verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our apostle. Hold fast, stand firm. Alex, and what you're about to give us is the things and the traditions they're talking about are the ones that Alex has talked about that has stood the test of time. So, Alex, I thought that verse set that up too just really well. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Here's what we ought to do. The times in which we live, and I, I just pray that we would take this banner up individually and as as churches, number one is pray. More than ever, we need a praying church that understands the power of intercession. Witness. We need to talk to people about Christ and call them to salvation. We need to grow. More than ever, attend to the depth of our of our walk. And and Bert, I could talk about giving and serving and encouraging and being mindful of the times, but let's drill down deeply in this for just a little bit, Bert. Um, and I want to say, first of all, to pastors out there, and Bert and I, we've both pastored, and uh, you know, you and I are in a pulpit just about every Sunday yeah. somewhere. Bert, if ever there was a time for pastors to engage in the prophetic ministry of the local church, and by prophetic, I'm talking about expounding on the Word of God. Um, this is the time, as as uh, they used to say, preach as a dying man to dying men. Uh, we, we better know how to preach at this hour, Bert. That's Amen. what I think. Amen. Let me just tell you this. I really believe before the church was the family, okay? Now, we know how this is coming against the church. Uh, we've talked about friends of ours and ministry friends, the government even investigate coming down on them on ministries but they're coming down on the family the whole thing about life is the child that would be birthed into a family with they have the right to destroy that child to murder that child marriage being a man and a woman no that we got to redefine that hmm. uh gender male and female oh no no it's what you feel how many genders do they somebody said 14 i heard 57 listen oh, there's two man yeah, and a woman yes. so every one of those alex is apostasy each each one of those is apostasy and where did it start undermining the word of god when you undermine the word of god what it says about family a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one. Jesus said it was not so about the beginning, about divorcing, and it was no, a man and a woman. And so when we deviate from God's standard, you have chaos, and that's what you have in the world today. Well, we really do. And somebody might raise the question, they'll say, well, you know, uh, you Christians, who do you care uh, does this or that, or what business is it of, of anybody's? Look, I understand people um, do a lot of things 
sinners sin, okay? But the thing about our nation, Bert, um, you and I have a friend, Bill Federer, William J. Federer, and he's a great historian, and he wrote a book several years ago on three secular reasons why America should remain one nation under God. And I want to say this, even the unsaved person has a vested interest in America being godly, and I'll tell you why. For one thing, moral boundaries. Folks, a nation without moral boundaries is headed for chaos. It's, it's anarchy, lawlessness. Um, our loss of Christianity, Bert, has made everybody less safe. Our loss of Christianity, our loss of morality, has ultimately influenced the economy. Um, there's dishonesty. There's people not working. There's um, generations now not growing up and getting married and becoming you know, gainfully employed, contributing to the tax basis. Look, we are beginning to feel the effects um, morally, culturally, even economically of a culture that's been adrift away from God for decades. And so um, is this apostasy? Yes, it is. It's a falling away. And like I say, Bert, um, when the, the libertines... They don't, they don't even like the idea that there's gender boundaries. Bert, I mean, let me just say this. What could be more undeniable, absolute, objectively true, as plain as the nose on your face, that there are men and there are women? And, and yet many even recoil against that because they don't want any boundaries for their life whatsoever. Bert, uh, remember the psalmist said the fool has said in his heart there's no God. And we're living in those times when people, they will not allow any reality to put parameters on their thoughts or behaviors. That total rejection of truth, that's ungodly. Alex, when I hear you talking, my mind could not help but go, what was the root of this in America and even in Europe? And we know Satan is there. But when Darwinian evolution began Amen. to be accepted and then taught and then, I mean, crammed down generations that this is truth, the whole idea, it had a downward spiral, and we're getting close to the, the furthest away that we could get on this downward spiral. But when you look at it, it has the idea of accountability. If God is creator, we're accountable. When he is redeemer, we're accountable. So if we can do away with God, guess what? We are a God unto ourselves. And that's where we're living in a lawless, chaotic time when we need God. We'll be back with more right after this break. Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Connect with Alex and Bert on the Exploring the Word Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you. And uh, this is a pre-recorded program, so we'll not be taking calls in this segment. We we love to do that, but we enjoy these as well because we get to stay in the Word uh, longer on a subject that would be difficult to cover uh, in two sessions. So we're able to do that. And today we're talking about living in a time of apostasy. 
uh, apostasy. You said it, Alex, the time of rioting, lawlessness. And the whole idea of apostasy is is doing away with God, walking away. And when a person, a family, a church, a community, a nation, denomination walks away from God, uh, chaos and lawlessness, it's going to occupy that space, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And folks, uh, the only hope of being in a time of untruth is to turn back to the truth, which is the Word of God. That's why, what do Christians do in times of apostasy? Well, we pray, and we witness, and we grow, and we give, and we invest in the gospel, like the support of your church and ministries like this one. Uh, We serve. And we encourage others. But by the way, uh, folks, let me just say this, and then I want to give you two quotes here. But folks, be in church. Oh my goodness, I, I plead with every believer: be in a local church. Hebrews ten twenty five says, "Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." Okay, some have forsaken the assembling. I mean, Bert, uh, sometimes people, they go to church almost if if there's nothing better to do. And I know that sports and all sorts of things have come between many Christians and church. Um, Bert, there, there was a time when being a disciple, it was just a given, you're going to be in church. Yeah. And I don't just mean Sunday morning, I mean Sunday night and Wednesday night. And um, folks, if ever... And, and I, I could appeal to you based on the love of Jesus and the, the admonition of Scripture and the fact that, yes, Christ is going to return, and maybe it's going to be soon. But let me just say for your children and your, your children's children and for the salvation of the country, come on, church, let's get back to, to living like disciples. Um, Bert, before the break, you mentioned... And I was going to mention this, but you, you really beat me to it, and I'm glad you did. The, the lie that has done more over the last 150 years, straight from the, the, the boardroom of hell, the lie called Darwinian evolution. Because with evolution meant the assumption that there is no God, the assumption that there is no objective moral code, and the assumption that there's no judge and no uh, reckoning day that we'll all face. Bert, i got to tell you, uh, I think uh, Darwinian evolution, that philosophy has done more to spread darkness and cost people their soul probably more than any other religion or philosophy in world history. Alex, because of that, uh, what is marriage? I mean, you know... Uh, Just it a had, social accident. Exactly. What is life? Well, it, it's from the primeval pool that some way was stirred. And, you know, listen, uh, what, what is a male or female? You know, the whole idea that comes from Darwinian evolution is, like you said, godliness. And, and here they are. They're saying that here's what it is, that out of chaos came order. But with mm. Darwinian evolution, what happens is from order goes to chaos. That's the teaching. You catch what I'm saying? Now, mm-hmm. they, they teach that from chaos came order, but in the teaching of Darwinian evolution, you go from order 
to chaos. And that's what we're reaping right now, chaos in the idea of, of the Bible, chaos in the idea of, of government, chaos in the very idea of family. So this lawlessness that's taking place, it is a a cesspool. And I'm using that word. It's a very vivid word, but that's exactly what we're doing. And we're trying to swim in this cesspool. And I want to tell you, what do you do as a believer? And you've given the list about praying, witnessing, growing, giving, serving, encouraging, and and you live for Christ. Let your light so shine before men that they'll glorify your Father who's in heaven. Alex, uh, what a time. And again, it's just kind of my mentality to think about it. When, where does a diamond shine brightest? Before a big white cloth with everything behind it or a dark black cloth, which one do you see the distinguishing marks of a diamond? When mm. I, when I, Jan and I went to buy her ring, I knew better than me to try to buy it on my own. It would not be good. So Jan and I went to see that engagement ring that we were getting many years ago, and we went to the jeweler, and he brought out that bath, uh, black cloth and laid it down on the counter. Then mm-hmm. he brought the rings out so we could see the distinguishing marks of his description of those, and we could see them. What mm-hmm. a time for believers. I know it's persecution. I know it's hard. But what a time for believers to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ, Alex. Mm. You know, there, there's a quote. Now, folks, listen to this. If you would, uh, uh, Hitler's propaganda ministry, Joseph Goebbels, and this quote is attributed. He says, a lie told once is just a lie, but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. And, I mean, Bert, in a way, that's kind of like where we're at. I mean, come on, we know that life could never have evolved out of some primordial swamp, you know? I mean, uh, on many shows, we often talk about, you know, the, the intricacies of human DNA and plants and animals and the immaculate precision of the operation of the solar system. I mean, from, from human life to a blade of grass on the ground to our eyes and our ears and our circulatory system. I mean, this world, everywhere we look, exhibits intricate design, precision, specificity. No rational adult could believe that popped out of nothing. But yet, evolution has been repeated a thousand times, and in America's classrooms, it's just become, you know, like gospel truth. The idea that a a male could morph into a female simply by, quote, identifying. that That's insanity. And Bert, what's so sad is that the very entity that God instituted and sanctioned to hold the darkness at bay and spread the light of truth has been the church. And, you know, um, C.S. Lewis, who died in 1963, but he once wrote, because, you know, the the liberal clergy of Britain, they didn't like C.S. Lewis, but he said that his job as a defender of Christianity, he said that he stood against the liberal clergy, listen to this, quote, who undermine and deny the very doctrines they are paid to uphold. Mm. Now, there's an old Jewish proverb that says, you can go very far on a lie, but you have no hope of returning. Wow. See, lies will take you a long way down the road, 
but there's there's no turning back unless and here's the one uh, ray of hope on an otherwise dark landscape and and it's the biblical principle of revival and Bert uh, in the time that remains I don't think we have to convince people that we're in a tough place right now as a country uh, I don't think we have to twist anybody's arm to help people understand that we are uh, we're, we're not where we ought to be. But you know what we have? If you're a born-again believer, and you, you know the Lord, and you believe His Word, wonderful. And Bert, I'm just going to say this. If you accept Jesus as your Savior, you've got to accept the Bible as His Word. Amen, Alex. I, I, I don't think you can claim to be a, a follower of Jesus and reject the Bible. Uh, and so I'm going to assume if somebody's listening and you're a Christian, good, then you're going to accept the Bible. And the Bible is the Word of God. We could, Bert, I know you and I, we could do 50 hours of programming right now defending that, yes, the Bible is the Word of God. So what do we do? Well, we take God at His Word, and the Bible promises that if that remnant, that body of believers that we've, we've met Jesus, we're filled with His Spirit, we know His Word. If we will pray, if we will turn to Christ, then God will hear from heaven and He'll begin to move. Bert, as bad as apostasy is, uh, I do have hope because I know that history has been the story of at the most critical moment, God will intervene when His people cry out to Him. He does, and he desires to. Uh, we've gone over several psalms in the whole book of Isaiah. So much is such a blessing there. But it is talking about when God's people seek him, God is, it moves the heart of God. So here's, here's what we're talking about. We're saying, make sure you're saved. Has there been a time in your life where you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, what do you do to do that? First of all, you have to know and admit that you are a sinner lost and there's nothing sufficient in you that you that you alone can make yourself right with God. There's not enough money. There's not enough works. There's not enough churches. No, it is you and God. Have you been saved? If you have been saved, and you know that, that God has come in and he reigns in your life after you've asked him to forgive you of your sin, asking him to take away your sin and to come in and be Lord of your life. Uh, you say, well, I didn't use those words. Well, here's the great thing. God listens to the heart. And some of you may have just said, cried out, Lord, help me. But in your heart, you were saying, Christ, I need you. And so make sure you're saved. If you're saved, Alex has said this again and again, be a part of a local church. Listen, we are strengthened by one another, and you encourage others. You encourage others by you attending and being a part of that to share in the ministry. Keep attending. Serve the Lord. 
And yes, you can serve inside the walls, but I want to tell you some of the most effective witnesses that I know of, Alex, are those that do those things outside the four walls of the church. They're baking things and taking it to people that have just moved to the neighborhood. And along with that cake or that those cookies, uh, they, they give them a Bible. They give them a tract. They invite them to their local church. They even witness to them. And they ask, do they know Christ? And in your service, whatever you're doing, make much of the Lord. So, Alex, uh, during these dark times, uh, you know, there's still ministry that needs to be done. And we don't need to expect others to do it. We need to do it, don't we? We do. We do. And, Bert, I'm excited. I want to say this. I was only a Christian a very short time when I began to learn about revivals and, you know, reading about Great Awakenings and things like that. And uh, you and I, I think that you you and I both love the subject of revival. Bert, I'm encouraged because we might be part of a Great Awakening. <laughs> it's got to start somewhere, you know. And, and let me say this, and I'll throw it back to you. I know you. I want you to finish that, but listen, the when we study these revivals, the first Great Awakening, the second one, the Great Prayer Revival, so mm. many of the revivals, they did not know they were in the revival until they had been involved in it for weeks and even months and one or two times years. So right now, there may be a place here in America where that spark has has been uh, started, and it's going to spread. Alex, that's the neat part. We 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 wait in anticipation. You know exactly, exactly. And you know what? Just um, as uh, summer twenty twenty two sort of draws to a close, you know, I had the privilege of um, we did four youth camps this summer, and Bert in um, a youth camp just two three weeks ago. I mean, on the final night, I was kind of giving this charge to these middle school and high schoolers, and it was a total of about one hundred and five people there. And I was saying, okay, you know, let's do it. Let's stand for Christ. Well, we ended up, we had a two-hour altar call. And middle schoolers were praying and begging God for the salvation of their friends. And I want to tell you, young people are hungry for truth. They receive it. They get excited about it. And so be encouraged, folks. And during this time of, of I'm not going to say apparent apostasy, but almost undeniable apostasy. What do we do? Well, we we shine and we grow and we give. We stay invested. But let me say this. Two things. We worship and we rejoice. Now, the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. So whoever you are, wherever you are as a believer, be in a posture of worship. But finally, I know this might sound counterintuitive, but rejoice, because I want to tell you, the church has always grown and thrived in times of persecution. And and hard times are really, if we look at it this way, Bert, I honestly think hard times are an opportunity to drill down deeply and to solidly know what we believe and why we believe it. Um, persecution kind of reveals how serious we are. I mean, are we willing to stand and speak and be unflinching for Christ even when the pressure is on? In a way, if we'll hand it to Jesus and put ourselves in his hands, these dark times could be the church in America. This could be our finest hour 
and may God grant that it is. And we're praying for that, and we want to lead in prayer. we got about a minute, and we're going to pray right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we're praying that you would do your mighty work through your people, your people that is called by your name. We need to humble ourselves. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to lean upon you. And, Father, I pray that you would guide us, and as Alex has given this list, that we're to pray, we're to witness, to grow, we're to encourage and give, worship and rejoice. I pray that that would lead us to a revival that would turn our hearts toward you. Father, we pray this and believe this and ask it in Jesus' name. Alex, thank you for leading us in this hour of really knowing how to stand in evil days. Mm. Well, folks, this has been Exploring the Word. We're so honored and grateful that you'd be listening to the American Family Radio Network. Go to AFR.net. You can find all the shows archived there and so much more. Folks, tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.